Uh, you're tuned in to Broadcast from the Belfry, a house to yourself podcast for the morbidly curious. As my door closes, because I don't quite have the house to myself yet. <laughs> my name's Sanjay. Across the internet, now in a home to herself where she might get murdered, is Georgia. How you doing, George? Oh, funny you should say that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Everything's fine. Um, it's fucking cold here, so yep. I'm salty about it. I mean, Same. I like the winter, so it's fine, but it's also really fucking, like, it's unnecessarily cold, so. Yeah, I have the snifflies because I walked down Mass uh, Street in Lawrence, Massachusetts Street, if for those of you who don't know what that is. Um, <laughs> and lit- I was walking, it, it felt both ways, uphill, the wind was blowing in my face, and as soon as I got inside, I think it, like, killed my sinuses, so now I've just been sneezing a lot. It's really annoying. Um, so in the mornings, like, I get up and I get ready for work, and then I... Do you feel like P. Diddy? What? Take Suki out? (laughs) No, I sure don't. I take Suki out, and then it's so cold that, I mean, there's a simple solution to this where I just don't put mascara on until I take the dog out, but, like, that's just not how I do things. So I take Suki out, and then I go outside, and then my eyes water because it's so fucking cold outside. And then I have to, like, come back in and have, like, mascara all over my fucking face. That's actually, you just want to look like you're in a 2004 music video. That's it, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's emo night at the Canopy Club next weekend. It's, I need to I will be there. One day I'll go. I've tried to two other times, and it just didn't work out. And the first time was apparently a weird one that I did go to, so yours to me trying again in 2023 to go to an emo night maybe we'll get lucky and there will be one the weekend of the conference the con the convention convention. whatever the fuck they're called oh i need to send you money i don't care if this is in the podcast or not everyone knows that i'm forgetful so Uh, everyone can assume that i forgot to send georgia money yeah so is the guy that's doing this because i'm still waiting to pay him (laughs) oh never mind i'm not doing that right now then it's it's Uh, fine don't worry about it um i'm making soup right now can I can we get a breath? Some thank you. Thank you for your attention. I appreciate it. Uh, yes, I'm um, making soup. Oh, like you're actually making soup? You're not just heating up a can of soup? No, I'm making So I went Hell to the grocery yeah. store and I was like, I don't know what I want to eat tonight. I'll probably just get chicken and then throw it on some rice. And I have one of those like sauce packet things that has. Are like, you making chicken and rice soup? So, yes, I am now. Hell yeah. I, I think. I'm, I still need to decide. So I'm making this. Um, the broth right now because it's not a stock because it has mm-hmm. more than just skin and bone question mm-hmm. mark so sure. yeah i'm making the broth right now and in an hour if we're not wrapped up i'm going to leave and then come back so i can take my soup <laughs> off actually no it'll be fine it's in water um yeah what's your oh yeah what are what are we doing oh wait no announcements yeah um hopefully we're going to did you do that did i do what did you? I heard a pop noise again. Oh my god! That, that was probably actually my wrist. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. That's yep. healthy. I'm old. Uh, <laughs> it's cold. It's winter. Uh, we're doing a con. Hopefully, <laughs> if the guy ever lets me pay him. If he doesn't, In... we're still gonna be there. We still will have a table. Hell yeah! It's just yeah. <laughs> Um, that is in September, like the weekend before my birthday, and. If you've seen podcasts at cons and know what they did at their tables, you should tell us because we don't know what to do. Otherwise, it will just probably be us drinking 
and winging it, which yeah. is fine. Like, we can do that, too. Like, we will yeah. be at a table drinking at some point, no matter what, so we might as well do it when there's a room full of strangers. That's how most rooms are. Yep. Um, don't forget to write us a review and DM us a screenshot, and we'll send you a sticker or a used character sheet or, uh, or like a piece of mail mini. that I have lying around. Yeah, send you yeah. a magic card signed by me that I've probably never played. Um, <laughs> so, I don't know. We've got, we've got a whole lot of shit. So, I also want to announce that this is the third recording in a row where I am wearing a different black and white striped t-shirt. I couldn't tell because, again, they all look very, very similar. I think Georgia uh, is becoming a cartoon character. Okay, Thanks. sure. The scandal. Yeah. And I'm wearing a flannel over it. Um, I thought that was a cardigan. Well, you can't really see because it's dark in here. It's yeah. a flannel. Oh, yeah, it's a flannel. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. The, we're we're back, guys. All right. The, the verdict is <laughs> yeah. The verdict is out. Um. Okay. Wait. Have you seen about this? Uh, K- Kane's jaw. Fucking hell. Kane's jawbone. I can't. Every time we start recording, I just lose the ability to talk. I can honestly have say you I have seen no idea what you're talking about. Kane's jawbone. It's on the social interwebs. No, but that sounds like a really cool band. And I would listen uh, to. That. That would be a cool band. It's a book that was written in the 30s, and it's a murder mystery book, and all the pages are out of order, and they're, like, ridiculously complex, like, riddles and puzzles. Have we talked about this before? I think I might. Did I send you a Snapchat about it, maybe? Yes. I think, yeah. I think off air we've talked about it, because it sounds insane, and I I love puzzles of all shapes and sizes so only four people have ever solved it in like a hundred years yeah um so i've been working on that i have made like two percent progress um i don't feel confident in the fact that i'll actually solve it but you know it's time that i'm not doom scrolling through tiktok so that's true counts for something right yes yes it does Uh, i'm i am proud of you thanks what are you drinking this evening? I went to Trader Joe's this weekend because I'm a fancy person in the you year 2023, right? <laughs> so I went with my friend Anna. Shout out to Anna. She's cool and she's my barber. Um, and yeah. she was like looking around and getting stuff because she has intestinal issues. And I was just pulling stuff Hell off the shelves because yeah. I have impulse issues. Uh <laughs> So by the end, I was like, oh, I think the only thing I actually want is probably, like, a bottle of wine. Because I have $3 wine, and it's very okay. Oh, yeah, they do. It's $4 now. I was lied to, but it's fine. Didn't they um, used to have, like, $5 boxes of wine, like, five years like that. ago? Yeah, it was Fuck insane. inflation, man. Right? So we're like, I get two bottles of Sauvignon Blanc, which is my favorite kind of wine, and uh, a semi-dry, just like me, slash my humor. I don't know which one of those is funnier, but I'm winking <laughs> either way. Um, and... I remembered that I was looking through a ranking of, like, good shitty tequila a while ago, or good shitty liquor, and Aldi and Trader Joe's both have good shitty liquor, so... I always buy wine at Aldi. Yeah, it just, it's it's good. It's three dollars. It's yeah. literally three dollars. Why sense. would I not buy wine at Aldi? No, exactly. And I was like, well, I have almost everything I need at home, slash that I care about, except I don't have tequila right now, so got a bottle of tequila tried it today with friend of the podcast whisper Woo! shout out to whisper hi whisper yeah, I think she so, I don't know. 
and uh, I got some grapefruit soda. So I'm drinking a shitty Paloma. It is just grapefruit soda with There's tequila. Like no ice in here. There is literally no. I don't have ice in my house right now. Okay, shut up, Georgia. No one needs to know just that. Scrape some off the roof from outside. Holy Ew. Shit. It's actually not snowing. It's just cold enough to piss me off outside. So. Oh, it snowed here again for like the seventh day in a row. Yeah, apparently it snowed in New Mexico too. My dad told me, and I was like, and he's like, "Did you get any snow up there?" And I was like, "Lol, no." Why is your dad in New Mexico? Uh, he's a he, he's like a traveling HR rep for hospitals. So he's huh. HR managing a hospital in New Mexico. How did I? How have I, how how have I not known that after almost five years of this? Wait, also in July it'll be five years since we launched. Four years and um i don't know we might do something weird and fun to celebrate yeah we'll do something georgia will figure it out and then ask me like two options and i'll give her three answers and she'll choose none of the ones that i gave her so it's fine we'll do that's also what it's like to be in a relationship with me in that's general. true Thanks. i know it's okay <laughs> we're getting married in 11 years so it's fine oh just we slept that long i guess you're not 30 yet no well i am drinking this aldi um caffeinated blueberry acai soda water oh shit i hit my head blueberry acai Ooh, fancy it's pretty okay i didn't actually know that it was caffeinated when i bought it i just (laughs) got it because i was like oh blueberry acai soda water that sounds fun and i was at aldi so i bought it and um then I got home and I was like, why does this say wellness plus energy on it? Because it's got fucking caffeine in it, which is fine. Uh, although it's almost seven o'clock, so I probably need... To... I opened this can while I was at work like five hours ago and I still haven't finished it. So it's flat too? Ew. And here's my backup beverage, a nice spicy Canada Dry. <laughs> Dude, I do fuck with a good Canada Dry. Uh, Canada Dry and Verner's. Uh, Ver... What's the... It's like a ginger... It's like a ginger ale, ginger beer. It's like for something. Oh, yeah. Um, okay, well, five years. Five years (laughs) going strong-ish. I black out less, and I eat more pancakes. And less pancakes now. I'm not taller. I've learned a lot, and I hope you all have too. Uh... I don't even. Oh man. Uh, there we go. I've. You're gassier than when you were when we started. That's for sure. <laughs> I am. <laughs> How it's old are you now? Uh... You're th- are you 34? Yeah. Okay, so you were 29. You were my age when we started. That is how long we've we've pat- we've gone through our age difference in years of podcast. That's pretty sick. Because I'll be 29 like when we have our uh, the anniversary. Oh my god. Yeah. Right. That's weird. Uh, the podcast cannot drink, drive, hold office, or rent a car. But or vote. Or vote. But also, it's five years, so. But it is tall enough to ride this ride, bitch. It is, yeah. Gunshots, gunshots. Don't put in gunshots. You'll scare them, Shannon. Please. Oh God. Oh, what are we? What are we learning today? Oh, well, 
It's true crime time! And I'm going to tell you about the biggest police investigation in the history of the amazing city that is Cleveland, Ohio. Okay, can I, I want to blind ask a question because I Do saw it. something recently. Is this where, like, someone's kid got stolen and, like, no. the police department, like, gaslit her about it and then arrested no? her? No! I learned about that, what? like... I Okay, so I was half paying attention and was, like saw like a, a blurb about it somewhere i think it maybe it was like la but like a woman reported her kid was missing and they couldn't find the kid so they were like they just got a random child and was like hey here's your kid and she's like no and they institution oh. they arrested and institutionalized her saying that she had a mental break because she lost her kid literally like uh, was it like a boy yeah, I think so. Yeah, that sounds really familiar. Yeah, it's like insane. It is insane. Oh, well. Just like the biggest co- one of the, yeah. Also, huge cover up. So yeah, I'm excited to learn about how cops suck more. Oh, you're do. gonna love this then. I, just, I mean, just bumped the mic. I'm sorry. I actually didn't hear anything. That's amazing. Um, it's slightly concerning. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Um. Well, what do you know about Cleveland? At least it's not Detroit. I know it is the second worst city in America, <laughs> right behind Detroit, Michigan. Uh, so uh, I know the Browns are from there. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll send you a link and we'll put it in the description. There's literally one. We've th- talked about this before. Yeah, it's like I, I think about it a lot. It's a really funny video from like 2010. Um, and it's just about how Cleveland sucks, but at least it's not Detroit. Well,. I'm going there the weekend after this comes out, actually. Sucks. <laughs> um, and I thoroughly intend on visiting a few of the locations that we'll be talking about today. Um, if you didn't already know, Hannah is from, like, an hour outside of Cleveland, and so we're going to go and stay with her mom for a weekend and then go into Cleveland to be delinquents, probably. I love Hannah. I'm questioning Cleveland now. I don't hate it. I'm I'm Cleveland uh, curious now. It does have one of the best art museums in terms of cities in America. Oh yeah, so. no. Everyone knows that the Louvre is in Cleveland, Ohio. Like obviously. <laughs> uh, yeah. I said in America, you whatever. <laughs> oh, fun That's fact, I've been to the Louvre. I don't know if wait, no, I haven't been to the Louvre. I've been to where have I been? The MoMA? No, the MoMA's in New York. I've been to a large art gallery. That the I Louvre is in Paris, so... Yeah, I know. Well, okay, I've <laughs> been to... Just give me a second. Ugh. I have to Google all the places that I've been. Shut up, Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> it's not what's happening. <laughs> Eat shit. Get better. I uh, okay. talked to my friend about... Um, saffron this week and was like oh yeah when i was in spain i had it uh it's a very crucial ingredient a paella and uh she didn't care so don't try to flex that you've eaten saffron to someone that didn't know what saffron was 10 minutes ago they won't care but yeah we're talking about cleveland fucking hell yeah we're talking about cleveland and we're gonna take a little time machine back to me burping again um in the 1930s, wow, Brandon has inserted some great uh, little phrases and sentences in these notes. So, interesting. I don't like that. There's a preface of that, so we'll see how it goes. Sure. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Um, 
it's also really obvious where I added stuff to the notes because, you know, Brandon's sentences are all well-formed and then I'm like, also... Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, here we go. <clears throat> okay. In the 1930s, there were at least 12 victims. Why am I talking like Zach Bagans? <laughs> there were at least 12 victims believed to be killed by the same assailant who preferred to dismember the bodies of the victims. Cleveland, Ohio was plagued by an anonymous slayer that became known as the Mad Butcher of Kingsbury Run, or the Headhunter, after the preferred dump site used by the killer. I like how Kingsbury fancy Run. the first one is. Like, Kingsbury Run. It's, like, very, like, high high society scandal. And then it's, like, the headhunter's just a guy that fucks. Like, this, <laughs> this is just, like, someone that walks into a bar and just, like, everyone's like, is that? And he just, like, you know, fawns, like, elbows a jukebox and just plays his theme song that they just have on this jukebox for some reason. And everyone's just, like, fainting. Like, uh-huh. yeah. Also, it's a very good song by Dance Gavin Dance, so... And listen to Headhunter if you want to listen to some, some cool jams. Yeah, it's a good song. Uh, okay. While the victims were dumped in Kingsbury Run on the east side of the city, the victims went missing from neighboring eastern districts known as the Roaring Third, named after the police precinct that oversaw the area, and Hobo Jungle, named after the area that the hobos inhabited. <laughs> I, I have nothing to say about that. Again, this the 30s apparently just had great nicknames for a lot of stuff. Also a lot right? of terrible things, but these nicknames were, like, very, very good. Okay. Uh, what would your 1930s nickname be? Sad Trash Man. Because uh, I'm sad and I, in, I consume and am emotionally trash. So, yeah. Uh, I have no idea what mine would be, so... Yeah, if I had 18 seconds, I could probably find something better, but I'm sad. Uh, yours would be, uh, it'd be, like, uh, like, uh, like, Kitty Corner Journalist or something, uh, because, like, you're always, like, around things happening, like, by choice, so it's, like, Catty Corner, but also you're a cat lady, so it's, like, Kitty Corner, <laughs> Catty Corner, that's, yeah. Okay, I'm a fan. Hire me to give people nicknames, I'll do it for free. Ish. I was gonna say Gorgeous George, but you know it's fine. It's Georges Gorge, which is actually your porn name, <laughs> uh, so that's different. Okay, that's fair. Because <laughs> it's the size of a gorge. Exactly. Yeah. Oh fuck. Okay. Uh, the hunting grounds of the butcher were ripe with establishments that attracted the less than upstanding members of urban environs: gambling dens, bars, brothels, flop houses. Many transients and vagrants traveled areas where casualties of the Cleveland, Clevelandian, Clevelandian? I was not prepared for that. I missed that word. Oh my god. Uh, the Clevelandian mutilator would be found. <sighs> okay. Well, it's hot in here. In 1929, the Great Depression had come and thus began the years-long, slow drain of wealth of the bustling Ohio metropolis and America at large. That's Jobs true. were drying up. So true, Bestie. It also Struggles. came back in 2019, and it was it was just as terrible. Yeah, Cleveland also still oh. assessment. Yeah. Uh, Hannah's favorite thing to say is, like, we, we did set the river on fire multiple times. 
That's yeah. Is yeah. That, I I'm I'll I'm assuming we're gonna circle back to that. We'll talk about that later. It's because of like all the trash that's in it or something, or like uh, flammable pollutants or something. Everyone's just like, I have so much gasoline. I've been hoarding gasoline. <laughs> I need to get rid of it before I get raided by the FBI. I still have a trunk full of garbage bags full of gasoline <laughs> exactly. from. From last year. Well, like, the water wasn't clean, so instead of water balloon fights, we had gasoline balloon fights, and I just have a bunch left over. So, I'm gonna throw them into the river. Also, I'm gonna uh, throw out this cigarette that I've been smoking. Uh, It's gonna flick it into the water, because water can't... Oh, no! And that's that's it. Wait, I um, told Shannon it was gonna be a gassy one, and he said that one day he's gonna replace all of our burp sounds with fart noises. (laughs) That's okay. Sure. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, gasoline. Yep. Um, that's also gassy. <laughs> uh, so yeah. Okay. Jobs are drying up. Possessions were being liquidated to make ends meet. Evictions. Destitution was rampant, and the American dream seemed to be taking its last breath. It's been a hundred years and it's still not dead. Can we just, like, smother it with a pillow already? We should just change the American Dream again to something way more accessible. Like, uh... I, I can't even think... What's a very low American bar? Uh, welcome to the United States. You're here. <laughs> that, the American Dream is just to be in America. And that's it. Like, just... It's like going to Disneyland or uh, going I to... S- uh, nope, that's uh, still too much. What's the what's the place that where Elvis has all his shit? Oh, Graceland. Yeah, like going to Graceland. Oh, that's it. Walk, welcome to America. We have Graceland, or <laughs> welcome to end. America. Disney sponsored or something, you know? Oh, this is like the American Dream is to be sponsored by Disney. The American Dream <laughs> is to live like a swamp witch. Yes, I think for sixty percent of our listeners, that is true. Swamp <laughs> witch slash warlock. It's a, it's a real demographic we have going for us. <laughs> I really want to be Stevie Nicks from uh, from American Horror Story. Like, that that was great. Uh, uh, okay, where was I? Kill the American Dream. Okay, the lack of forensic advancements and turmoil caused by economic collapse created near-perfect conditions for the Mad Butcher to maim and slaughter with impunity. Oh. Fancy <laughs> Spicy. <laughs> let, me, let me open a window. It's a wow. <laughs> As more people became homeless and jobless, they began to assemble small shanty towns in metropolitan areas referred to colloquially as Hoovervilles, named as a jab at President Herbert Hoover, who was generally blamed for the poor state of the economy at the time. What is the first thing you think of when you think of Hooverville? A whole bunch, whole bunch ahead. Honestly, just a whole lot of wiener sucking. Oh my god! The correct answer was (laughs) that episode of Doctor Who where Spider-Man is there and the Daleks are building the Empire State Building. (laughs) I honestly forgot that that happened. That was holy shit. Uh, Was that the Uh, late like twenty teens? It was like around. Like two thousand and holy shit! It was, um, it was Martha. So. Yeah. Goddamn. Well, it's not what I said then. No, and the I pig guess. guys. 
yeah. Yeah. I, I'm having like a fever dream right now of just like <laughs> all of the weird Doctor Who like like stuff or just yeah weird Doctor Who like episode just like flowing back. This. Yeah. If you say oh there's pig guys and the Daleks are building the Empire State Building, that is a fever dream in itself. Like honestly, and Spider Man is there. And Spider Man is there. Thank you, the BBC. <laughs> we <Right>? appreciate it. <laughs> Um, okay. Uh, oh yeah, okay. The Hoovervilles in Cleveland were clustered mostly in Kingsbury Run, so it's not a fancy uh, cul-de-sac. <laughs> and the Flats, which was an industrial area next to the Cuyahoga River, full of poor, sickly people who had no registered address of residence and had fallen to the fringes of society, making them difficult to locate or identify Oh no, prime targets for serial killers. So were these people in the river or next to the river? Because the way it was worded, in my head there's like, Coolsville, and then there's like, Okaysville, and then there's Wet Town. And Wet Town is where you just literally live in the river and you're just like, <laughs> a, a drifter in more ways than one, you know? I mean, yeah, it's like, along the banks of the river. I okay, believe. so it's not like, people living in the river? No. Okay, that's whatever, it's fine. I don't want that to happen anyway. Yeah, that'd be extra sad. It would be, yeah. Um, In addition to Hooverville being cluttered and chaotic in form, they also tended to form near train yards where many people would hitch rides in or out of town to seek less bleak prospects elsewhere. So that's the setting, you know? All right, here's my most favorite uh, phrase from this whole set of notes that Brandon wrote. The cantankerous decapitator. Set to work. <laughs> so again, just the amount of sass that Brandon like puts into everything he writes. The, you know, the amount of like just eloquent, just like heat. Uh, incredible, <laughs> fantastic. I love it. The cantankerous decapitator set to work, and the leftovers were discovered on September fifth, nineteen thirty-four, on the Euclid Beach shore of Lake Erie in Brattonall, which is an eastern suburb of Cleveland. And this is the first unidentified victim, known as the Lady of the Lake, or Victim Zero, for reasons I'll come back to in a minute. Her torso was found with thighs attached, legs amputated above the knee, no head, no arms. (laughs) That's... she's missing a lot. (laughs) You know, like I'm not I'm no doctor, but she's missing a lot. Uh uh-huh. Holy fuck. Um the The skin of the torso was red and had a leather like quality, leading the coroner to conclude that an unidentified caustic chemical had been applied to the skin, possibly as a form of preservative. Back to Doctor Who doesn't that sound like that Matt Smith episode where he gets dunked in the red stuff? Yes. Uh, good. Okay. I'm not. Gonna st- have... I'm not going to pick up on Doctor Who again. I. I can't. It's, <laughs> it's all going to tie back to murderers. Apparently. It's not. The new season's going to be great. The new season is great. It's already started. No, it hasn't started. It's going to be great. I'm very excited. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. Has it started? I don't think it has. I'm just waiting for the 60th anniversary special, 
where David Tennant's coming back, the end, and Donna, because they're my favorite. Uh, the end. Okay, let's not go down that tangent. <laughs> um, okay, so she was also drained of blood. No fingerprints and no dental impressions could be taken. Yeah, she didn't have um, hands or a face. Obviously. Like, I, yeah, the guy that was like, oh, hey, we couldn't get these things. Like, oh, well, like, why is... Did, did you not, not have the stuff with you? Did you not, like, check to make sure that her teeth were there? Oh, she doesn't have a head. Oh, wow, put that in the notes. <laughs> Next time, Awkward. maybe. But, yeah. Also, November 23rd, 2023 is the next season yeah. of Doctor Who. That's the 60th anniversary special. Mm-hmm. Um, while the scene was shocking, the bodies that would be found in the next few years would make the first seem all the more terrifying. Fast forward. September 23rd, 1935, so a year later, two bodies would be found on the side of Jackass Hill. That's where where all the high schoolers hang out. It's fine. It's totally fine. By a pair of adolescent boys. (laughs) See, I I knew. I already, I could tell. See, I'm picking up on, like, this whole 1930s (laughs) thing pretty quickly. Uh, They were at different stages of decomp, and only one would be correctly identified. Uh, the first corpse was male, with ligature marks on the wrists, implying he was bound. He was naked, except for socks. On his feet, obviously. I mean, I guess it could have been on his hands or something, just to make it extra weird, but just that like, was not the case. He had, he had a wiener sock on, you know, had to keep it PG still, <laughs> or keep it uh, PG-13. Uh, well, actually... We'll come back to that. The cause of death was decapitation, which was noted to have been done neatly. So, like, his head was cut off while he was alive. And the genitals were removed post-mortem. No penis socks. Oh, nice, yeah. Just no dick. Yeah, no, no head. No. The corpse's severed head was buried next to the body. And uh, this is the one that would be identified as Edward Andresi, a man who lived... I have no idea what that was. A man who lived three miles southwest of the dump site... His fingerprints were on file as he was a repeat offender. He was 28 and frequented the Roaring Third area, and he worked at a hospital orderly before he worked as a hospital orderly. I don't know what I said, but I don't think I said that. You said you okay. worked at a, you were very Yeah. Fine. It's okay. <laughs> he worked as a hospital orderly before turning to a life of petty crime. Like, of course he did. He probably just needed to steal bread to not die because of the depression anyway the second victim who was never identified uh john doe number one was similar to the first in that he had been decapitated and his genitals had been removed in both cases the skin was red and leathery from a chemical treatment like the lady of the lake so at this point obviously uh they associated her murder with their murders and um, that's why she's victim zero, because these had already been given victims one and two. Um, and also worth noting is the fact that their heads were buried shallow enough that their hair was sticking up out of the ground. What? How gross is that? Yeah, extremely. That's just the Like, weird. look at this weird grass. Yep. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> also, Stu gets really, like, I don't know. He thinks I'm stupid because... Even if it's my hair, 
like if I am doing dishes and I feel my a strand of my hair in the dishwater that is the most disgusting thing in the entire I don't care that it's my Same. hair yep. it's the feeling of it mm-hmm. it's yep. disgusting okay no I completely agree uh, for Ooh. people who haven't seen me in the last three months I guess uh, I have very long hair right now and most of it is not real which means that I've had to adjust to having very long hair which means every time I see one it's around I'm just like nope nope <laughs> it's it's not good no it's it's not good at all just, oh, the hair is great finding the hair <laughs> like around it's not cute <laughs> not good uh my favorite is any any this happened with multiple people that i've dated and they're like oh yeah i found one of your hairs wrapped around my junk today like sorry yep, i've like heard that for like not sorry i guess regarding you uh, but it's like, yeah, I was like, oh yeah, like I found my partner's hair like wrapped around my wiener. I'm like, what? Why are you so like, like nonchalant <laughs> about that? That's weird. You have to know that's weird. Like, what? Yeah. My bad. That's why everyone should wear a hazmat suit when you're gonna bump up. At least, uh, you're gonna do the nasty. Make sure you get yeah, protection. I think it comes in my cases. I think it's because my hair is stuck in the laundry. Oh, that makes more sense, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm gonna say it's both. So do a has- wear hazmat suit while you do laundry as well, <laughs> just for just for safety reasons. All right. Um, at this point, okay. Police know that decapitation is the cause of death, which is horrifying to think about. They've seen no hesitation marks indicating that the killer was strong, not squeamish, and likely a man who knew what he was doing. I did watch an episode of Haunted History on Hulu about this, which was, like, not a great show overall, but it was kind of entertaining enough. And um, there was a paranormal investigator who said, based on their experiences visiting, like, the murder sites, that they believe the killer was a railway worker, someone who had knowledge of the area, the strength to dismember a body, and the ability to hop on and off trains to avoid attention if needed Mm -hmm. so we'll come back to that later um police also know that the victims are outcasts of society people who won't be missed people who were affected by the depression those living on the outskirts um in the shanty towns or making a living on the railroad they have no suspects no ideas about motive like they have two men and a woman at this point um so they don't even have like that for a pattern they just have like the mo itself so also corruption is pretty rampant with the cleveland police at this time which didn't really help the already ill-prepared police force so in december of 1935 the mayor of cleveland hired elliot ness a safety director and his primary role was police oversight and contrary to popular belief he had very little to do with the actual investigative work being conducted on this case but um do you know anything about elliot ness the name is super familiar but i can't think of anything off the top of my head i'm going to assume that he was uh the inventor of the pizza party um, and that <laughs> since he couldn't help with the actual investigation he just tried to boost team morale the best he could which was by throwing a lot of pizza parties um it is a beer so maybe that's what you're thinking of maybe like mm. there is a beer named after him so 
Um, he is from Chicago, and he became the chief investigator of the Prohibition Bureau for Chicago. So his job was to enforce prohibition, which will be me. ironic later down the road. He earned that title after he formed a team of agents called the Untouchables, uh, which, like, there's a movie about that, but I can't picture you watching that, so uh, I'm going to yeah. say that's not it. Yeah, it's a movie about a narc, and no one can drink because of him, <laughs> like, and he has a bunch of, like quote-unquote friends that he goes yeah. around like solving crime with like no no <laughs> they targeted illegal stills and breweries in the area and part of that is what led to al capone's uh downfall so basically like how they were targeting breweries and distilleries kind of hurt Al Capone financially, and so that was like part of what came, yeah, what brought him down. Um, and so then he earned that title of, you know, chief investigator of the Prohibition Bureau, but then a year later, Prohibition ended, <laughs> which is funny. So then he became the safety director in Cleveland. And I will also mention that he gained a reputation in Chicago for eradicating a lot of the police corruption and he never took bribes to like turn a blind eye to seedy happenings or anything, uh, which is how the team got the name, the untouchables, because like you couldn't Touch bribe them, them or corruption. anything. Yeah, like yeah. they couldn't be, yeah, sure, sure. Still kind of, sure. Still, it's still pretty cool. I'll be very honest. It's for, for a group of guys that kind of sucked. They did some good things, and they had a really cool nickname, and I know they had matching jackets, and I bet it was sick, too. Oh, I bet they did. <clears throat> well, just wait. January 26, 1936. Um, we're about two miles north of Kingsbury Run, and the remains of another body are found wrapped in paper and stowed in baskets throughout an alleyway along the Hart Manufacturing Building. A sloppily amputated pelvis, thighs, and right arm of a woman are found. This was not the kind of surgical precision exercised in the previous layings, but the MO was still the same. Other remains were found 10 days later in an empty lot off Orange Avenue, but the head was still nowhere to be found. It took 10 days to find all the parts of one well some of the parts of one body <laughs> the worst scavenger hunt in history what <laughs> the fuck um they did have a right hand so they could take fingerprints that's good yeah uh yep they were given a hand so yep <sighs> yeah i'll see were. myself out just uh... <laughs> the fingerprints revealed the victim to be florence palillo who was a waitress, a bartender, and known prostitute. The scandal. No. Hashtag sex work is work. Exactly. <laughs> With a penchant for drink and more pseudonyms than there were pieces of her left in the end. Thanks, Brandon. Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> she resided on the outskirts of the Roaring Third. The coroner declared the cause of death to be a slit throat. Her recovered remains were sent out of state to her surviving family for burial. And this is the first murder that happened under Ness's watch. And he, not really wanting to get his own boots on the ground, puts his top guy on the job, whose name is Peter Merlo. But they actually hate each other. And, um, spoiler alert, they will never agree on anything. 
not, not besties. Not even close. No. Wow. Mm -mm. So, um, that's January, June. 1936, uh, a few months later, a head was found by two boys. It's always two boys in this, in these old-timey true crime stories. And do you think they got sent to counseling to deal with their trauma? Probably not. Oh, definitely not. No. There's Although, it's the 1930s. They're probably like, guess what we found? We found a fucking decapitated head today. It's the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. They probably weren't traumatized at all. I mean, yeah, and they, if one of them was, uh, someone was probably like, do you just want to, like, drink a bunch of whiskey about it? And they were like, yeah, sure. And yeah. then just, like, forgot. And that was it, so. Let's drink some whiskey, play some hoop and stick, and then, uh, everything's fine. <laughs> exactly. Just... Um, Eat some cabbage that costs five cents a head. Crazy. Okay, a head was found wrapped in the victim's trousers. why <laughs> under a tree so severed head in, in your own pants yeah <laughs> under a tree near the east 55th street bridge uh then a headless body was discovered about 200 feet away in front of the nickel plate railroad police building in a clear affront to the police <laughs> <laughs> this would be another unidentified victim becoming known as the tattooed man for the record, he only had six tattoos. <laughs> okay, sure. He was so edgy. Wow. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I guess back in those days, he probably was. But it's not like he was a sideshow attraction. No, exactly. He, we had, uh, he was just a guy that was really cool. Like, that's it. Everyone yeah. should have at least six tattoos, and then you two can become the tattooed man or woman. But not in a getting murdered way. Hopefully. Yeah. That sounds, yeah, that sounds right. The body presented with no other injuries, a departure from the genital mutilation and dismemberment that characterized the previous bodies. The coroner concluded that this man was decapitated while alive and then exsanguinated. Cool word, yeah. Also, yeah. pretty good magic card. Uh, X, black, black. Uh, each opponent loses X life and you gain uh, the amount of life lost this way. It's very good. You don't get its blood? No, you just win the game most of the time. Okay, that's, I mean, that seems accurate. The victim did not have fingerprints on file. In an attempt to identify the victim, a plaster mold was taken of the head for display, along with diagrams of his six distinctive tattoos, which included a butterfly. Do you think it was on his inner thigh or his no, lower back? Lower back, it was definitely a tramp stamp. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Once again, sex uh, work is work. You go, tattooed yeah. man. A butterfly, a Cupid's heart, a dove accompanying the names Helen and Paul, crossed American flags, um, a comic strip character named Jigs, and a Cupid coupled with an anchor. That's real cute. That sounds... Those were his tattoos. There's some pretty good tattoos, honestly. Like, I'm a fan. Yeah. Uh, do So they put these on display at the World's Fair, the Cleveland World's Fair, hoping that the thousands of people that would pass it every day would, you know, someone would recognize the tattoos or the face, but despite these creative measures, an ID was never established. Fun fact, I really have to burp, but it's not coming out. Fun fact, the Cleveland World's Fair was known as the Great Lakes Expo because, there it is, Cleveland sits on Lake Erie. 
But the Chicago World's Fair, the backdrop to another notorious, notorious, <laughs> notorious, <laughs> notorious serial killer, H.H. H. Holmes. Yeah, shout out to the house where people, the hotel where people died. And Hell yeah. yeah, it was all, it was real fucked up. Which I is now remember. a post office. It is, I did not know that. It is now a post office. Okay. Yeah, I have the location saved in my Google Maps. You're just um, a super normal person. It's okay. I just figured, you know, if I was ever in the area, I'd drive by it. I'd go to Chicago kind of a lot, so. Um, and it's, like, in the south suburbs. Anyway. Or east or east. I don't know. It doesn't matter. It wouldn't be east. It'd be west. I don't know directions. Okay. Um, anywho. <laughs> I think. So, so the Chicago World's Fair was the world's Columbian Exposition. Cleveland World's Fair is the Great Lakes Exposition. They both have serial killers going on, but I think it's stupid that the names are not like Chicago should be the Great Lakes Expo because it, Lake Michigan yes. is bigger. Mm-hmm. But the only reason it's called the Columba- Columbian Expo is because it marked the 400th anniversary of Christopher probably fucked to seal Columbus arriving in the new world. We should just so. change it. Like, honestly, let's retroact- retroactively just change it. It doesn't matter. I mean, we could just change it to the world's Christopher Columbus probably fucked a seal exposition. <laughs> I don't think that rolls off the tongue as well, or would fit on t-shirts, which may be an issue, but it's close. Fine, but I know that that's the subtext. <laughs> exactly. So, anyway, all these people walked past these this cast of this guy's face and all of his tattoos but no one recognized him however in the haunted history episode one team of investigators went over to the 55th street bridge uh where his body was found well where his head was found and one of them was asking questions about his tattoos and he said he felt fingertips run over his arm where he also like where he had a tattoo okay sure isn't that Mm mm-hmm yeah, that's real spicy. Yeah, I threw some ghosty stuff in here just for funsies, you know? Because I watched this stupid show. <laughs> um, so at this point, cops are getting nervous because, you know, they know the World's Fair is, is going on. And the Republican National Convention was coming to Cleveland. So they're having this massive influx of visitors to the city while they have a serial killer on the loose. At least for the Chicago World's Fair, they didn't know that there was a serial killer at the time. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You know, ignorance is bliss and all that. I guess. <laughs> um, okay, so that's in June. In July, a month later, another headless body is discovered by a teenage girl who was out for a walk. Uh, this would be John Doe number three, another unidentified male. The victim was found lying in a wooded area near Clifton Road in Brooklyn Township, which is a suburb of Cleveland, a few miles southwest of Kingsbury Run, the head had been severed cleanly by a practice hand, but no other injuries to the corpse were reported. Uh, the body was in a state of considerable decay, and it was estimated that the man had been dead for approximately two months. Um, the time elapsed since John Doe number three's expiration made fingerprinting impossible, fingers were mushy yeah, it's, or yeah. or just bone they as we say Ew. in the industry uh his hands got puddinged 
um, <laughs> due to the amount of time post-mortem. So, yeah, yeah, that's the one. Hate it when, when they get put into... The severed head was found nearby under a bush wrapped in the victim's bloody clothing. The location was believed to be the scene of the murder on account of the large amount of blood found on the ground, uh, which would be the first time in these killings that the blood was like found at the scene. Normally it's a BYOB situation when you investigate yeah. it, you know, bring your own blood. So <laughs> it's, yeah, as you uh, go to investigate, you just have to, you know, toss a bucket around and go from there. This is gross. Brandon added, The advanced decay of the head made discerning his original appearance unlikely. No plaster mold of this guy. <laughs> Two pudding. Two uh, pudding. <laughs> I was trying to think of a Fast and the Furious movie title, but... It'd be See, like, it's hard. It'd be like Fast and Furious 10 Tapioca of, of Doom, or like Tapioca of Speed, or something like that. Tapioca of Doom sounds like an Indiana Jones movie. Yeah, and we already know that, you know. Because he's old and can only eat tapioca now. Yeah. There's yeah. too many other good like parodies of uh, Indiana Jones movies. We can't top them. It's, yeah. <laughs> can't keep batting. A uh, couple months later, in September of 1936, John Doe number four is discovered when a passerby tripped over the upper portion of a severed torso. Just below the breasts is where it cut off. Okay. Them titties. Yeah. yeah. Nothing but doctors. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, I guess that's a man, so. You might get out knockers too. That's true. Um, yep. While on his way to hop on a train, the poor guy, his train route was interrupted. Uh, considering the sprawling nature of the dump sites this far, a search of the area was organized and the lower half of the torso was discovered floating in a small pool. A creek was searched by a recovery team to yield the lower legs and thighs. The arms and, of course, the head were never recovered. That's the fair. body count... That's what? So that's fair, you know? It's... I mean, I guess. That's why it's called the headhunter, you know? Well, it is. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but still. <laughs> um, the body count was rising steadily, and one of the victims was displayed by proxy at the World's Fair, so it's no surprise that the newest victim attracted a significant amount of significant attention. Thanks, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> he used up all his fancy words before, you know? <laughs> He's doing his best. It's estimated that over 600 people assembled to watch the recovery process. The coroner's report noted that the cause of death was yet again decapitation, supposedly with a single clean swing. Where was this guy in, like, Henry VIII's time? He could have been chopping off wives' heads, like, Just so, so efficiently. efficiently. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Cuts were noted on the kidneys and stomach. The genitals had been removed in the usual style. No identifying marks were present on the body, so a reliable ID could not be made. After a spree of killings by the Mad Butcher, a media frenzy developed. Articles and editorials about the killings were coming out daily, and public officials were beginning to feel pressure to act. The mayor at the time insisted that Elliot Ness take a more active role in the search and apprehension of this torso-centric madman. Okay. 
the county coroner suggested forming what the media would come to call a torso clinic. A cohesive group of law enforcement and medical experts that might be able to build a kind of profile to help narrow the search and catch the killer. Because profiling didn't really exist at this time, obviously. So uh, Peter Merlo, he comes back here, and Martin Zalewski were made lead detectives on the case. And they set to work interviewing the residents of Kingsbury Run and the Roaring Third. Um, in February of the next year, 1937, in the early afternoon, a man finds the upper torso of a young woman uh, on the Lake Erie shore near Euclid Beach Park. Again, quite near where the Lady of the Lake was found. The lower torso washed up about three months later, and no other portions of the body were reported to have been recovered. So literally just two halves of a torso. Yeah. Um, the cuts made on the torso were haphazard and occurred post-mortem. Lake water and gravel were found in the pleural cavities. So this person, Jane Doe, number two, probably uh, drowned. That makes I would assume. Sense. Yeah. So wait, uh, wait, drowned? No. Yeah, no. So head cut off and then drowned, most likely, or like. Uh. Like drowned. Works. Well, it says the cuts made on the corpse were post-mortem, so drowned and then chopped up. Okay, sure. I don't kill people. I don't know how that shit works. Because, like, lake water and gravel in the pleural cavities, like... Well, I guess if it's the pleural cavities, that doesn't necessarily mean in the lungs, but when I first read it, I thought in the I, lungs. I also but. don't know how, like, people work, where, like, if a, if a dead... If a, if a body is, like thrown into water, if, like, all the air would still, like, leave and then, like, filled in with water. Um... Same with gravelies when it, like, hits the bottom. Yeah, uh, I think it depends because, um... Like, you have to use your muscles to inhale and exhale. So... To inhale water. Yeah, you would have to like, be alive, and that. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Like that's how it would get in your lungs if you mm-hmm. literally like breathe it in. It wouldn't just. Like maybe there'd be some, but like the amounts would be different, and mm-hmm. like. That makes I sense. I don't know. I don't know, but that's how I. That's how my brain processes it. Anyway. I, I trust your your knowledge of the human form and dead people. So. <laughs> That, that tracks. I only know stuff about bony dead people, really, but it's fine. Um, a few months later, June 6, 1937, a teenage boy finds a human skull with a burlap sack containing accompanying bones from the body under the Lorraine Carnegie Bridge. Okay. Kids are the ones that are doing exploring. But, like, they should actually just hire a task force of children, or of youths, at this point, right? Because, like... Yeah, they go to all the weird places. Like, I always scrambled up... Like, there's this big hill in our town, and one side of it was all landscaped and had these, like, decorative gardens and shit. And then the other side was, like, all woods, and then there was a park in the middle, but, like, you took a trail to get to the park... 
but I would like climb up the hill through the woods and pretend I was a fucking explorer. How did I never find a severed head, honestly? That's, I'm glad you didn't. That's not, it's not good. But how? Because that's exactly where you would leave one. Theoretically. As a child, you would know that. But if you ask the average policeman, they're looking in bread boxes, mailboxes, uh, just any kind of like box, really, that's just like left out in the open. That's someone shoved a slice of pizza in our mailbox the other day. What? How rude is that? But also, free. Maybe they left it for later. Like they were gonna come back and they're like, "I'll, I'll destroy this." I'll save this. Yes. Oh no! I just lost my place. Uh... Anyway, okay, yep. Yeah. If you send us a screenshot of your review, we'll send you a slice of pizza in the mail. Hell yeah. The skeletal remains were assessed to be that of a middle-aged black woman, the only non-white victim of the butcher, which struck me as interesting because allegedly serial killers don't usually kill outside of their own race or deviate from the established pattern. So I don't know what that means, but... Investigation revealed that the victim had been decapitated and that she was missing a rib. The teeth had gold fillings, which was a significant lead compared to many of the bodies found thus far. You know, the fact that they don't have heads. <laughs> yeah, it makes it real hard to look at their teeth. Yep. A plaster likeness of the victim was made, in parentheses, Brandon says, because that was so helpful last time. <laughs> and a composite sketch was made. A young man came forward the following year uh, saying that the remains belonged to his mother Rose Wallace he said he recognized the dental work but the authorities did not consider this compelling enough to be a positive ID officially could, she is Jane Doan number three could they have just like, if, like corroborated that by finding out where she like got her dental work done and then if it's like yeah. the same as the okay I mean, definitely if that was today or even like 50 years ago. I mean, I guess I don't really know what kind of records they kept in the 18, 1930s, but like in my mind, that seems... It's like the first easy step to do is like literally make a call yeah. and then if it lines up, it's like, all right, cool. We have a name. We know where like, she Like people was. in the 30s still kept records. Yeah, they had to because they had to pay taxes still. <sighs> Unless you're on um, Capone not then you get arrested it's a whole <laughs> thing but that's yeah uh the next month july 6 1937 the little steel strike had begun so steel workers were on strike laborers crossed the picket line to return to work were affectionately known as scabs and they had rocks thrown at their vehicles tensions among the working class were high and violence was going on which We'll kind of come back later too. The governor ordered the National Guard to help maintain peace and to provide the watch. National Guardsman was posted at the West Third Street Bridge when he saw something strange in the Cuyahoga River. It was on fire. No, it wasn't on fire, but it'd be funny if it was. It was full of something still, you know? It wasn't um, well, gasoline water <laughs> balloons, but. Upon inspection, it was a body part as you may have guessed. Unfortunately, I did, yes. <laughs> the body parts of a man were collected from the river over the course of a few days. The torso was discovered in a burlap sack used for chicken feed. I was just gonna say, where is this guy getting all these burlap sacks? 
maybe he's a coffee importer. I was gonna say, maybe he's a roaster or an employee of a <laughs> I coffee was like, shop. I like, have like, a house I... full of burlap sacks. Same. Never yep. mind. <laughs> uh, once finished, the body was found to be missing a head. Surprise, surprise. The unusual aspect of this particular victim was that his torso had been gutted and the heart removed. No yeah. ID was ever made, making this John Doe number five. Also, there's that's so much more work than before. I guess relatively. I don't... When you're killing dudes, I guess maybe you don't care about the extra steps, you know? Like, also, if you're gonna cut a body down to a torso, why wouldn't you just, like cut it so that the guts fall out anyway I don't know maybe maybe again people weren't as efficient back in the day uh, also wage theft so maybe he wanted to like do more if he's like killing people on the clock and he's like oh the railroad's yep. gonna pay for this one <laughs> you know nowadays we just scroll through TikTok but yeah, sure never, yeah everyone just poops also I'm gonna go make sure my soup isn't uh, heavily reduced I'll be right back Okay. Uh, Elevator music. Should we start publishing soup recipes? Maybe we can write a book. Oh yeah, just of soup that we make surrounding. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Fast forward a few months to April 8th, 1938. A young worker en route to work in the flats noticed something washed up on the banks of the Cuyahoga River. Guess what it was? I'm guessing it was a body. Or a torso, specifically. It was a woman's lower leg. I literally had a 50-50 shot and still just <laughs> fell short. About a month later, more pieces were found again around the West 3rd Street Bridge. A majority of her legs had been found in a burlap sack, and the torso, which was cut in two, also in a burlap sack, was found. No arms, no head, again. The coroner did find morphine in the woman's system, which was a controlled substance by this time, and could only be obtained through a doctor. Remember that. Or more illegal means. Um, unidentified again, so this is J Jane Doe number four. So we have... Four unidentified women, five unidentified men, and one identified man. Yes. I think. Um. Okay. Fast forward again, a few more months. April sixteenth, nineteen thirty-eight. Scrap collectors were picking through a dump site at East Ninth and Lakeside when they discovered the next victim. The police arrived to find a woman's torso wrapped in a men's blazer and, additionally, in a quilted blanket. The limbs and head were found wrapped with butcher paper and packaged somewhat neatly together. The coroner was surprised to find that some of the body parts showed signs of having been refrigerated and that the body was treated with embalming fluid. So our friend uh, Petey Boy. Petey Boy Merlo <laughs> would later voice his doubt as to whether this new body was actually a victim of the butchers as embalming fluid was used, and, but 
But while searching for other parts of Jane Doe 5, the poison blue <laughs> stumbled upon the remains of yet another victim, another male who was disarticulated at the neck and at all major joints. And there is an unsubstantiated rumor that the men's head was placed in a large can. The man's head was placed in a large can. Sorry. The more interesting thing about the newly appointed Jane Doe number five and John Doe number six is that they were dumped with a clear line of sight to Elliot Ness's office window. Oh fuck! This one. This time it was personal. So. The timing of that discovery is interesting. We're going to come back to it in a minute. That was in August 1938. And Elliot Ness did take this very personally. Two days later, he got 35 coppers. <laughs> That's my word. I, I inserted that word. 35 cops loaded into vans and squad cars, accompanied by fire trucks, and they conducted a midnight raid on the Kingsbury Run, Hooverville, and by dawn they had removed 63 men from their shelters so that authorities could search for any evidence that might provide a lead. Nothing of value to the ongoing murder investigation was found, and upon concluding the search, Elliot Ness ordered the shanty town to be burned down. Burned down? What the fuck, dude? He burned it down. And, uh... He got a lot of shit for his callous behavior and the lack of results that came out of it. And it's at this point that his life really starts to take a turn for the worse, which I find hilarious. I love to talk shit about Elianus, but we'll come back to that more uh, later. The bodies stopped piling up after the raid, however. No leads, no clues, though. Nearly a year passes before a man is arrested by County Sheriff Martin O'Donnell. His name is Frank Dolezal. And he's taken into custody specifically for the murder of the fourth victim. Oh, two, we have two identities, sorry. The fourth victim, Florence Palillo. So Frank is a 52-year-old Bohemian uh, Slavic immigrant bricklayer with more than an ample butcher knife collection. <laughs> he okay. was... Um, he was rumored to frequent the disreputable bars near where many of the bodies were discovered and was not shy about making threats at those he had felt wronged him. He was alleged, alleged, fucking hell. He was alleged to have had affiliations with all of the, the victims that had been identified. Luna's eating her food. She's so cute. Um, he had lived with Palillo and was acquainted with Andrasi and Wallace. To put it mildly, the optics were not in Dolezal's favor. At all, no. <laughs> Here's another great, great sentence. Unlike the modern police force that does not in any way abuse its power or authority at the expense of human decency, <laughs> dot dot dot. <laughs> the police of the 1930s were less constrained by regulation. Like, all cops have always been bastards. Literally, yes. <laughs> it, uh, but... <laughs> uh, okay. It sounded like I had a stroke. I'm fine. Um, after detaining Dolezal for two days, they coaxed a confession for the murder and dismemberment of Flo Palillo. By coaxed, I mean they beat the shit out of him. 
the statements given during the eight-day parade of abuse were described as being incoherent ramblings at times and also neat and precisely detailed at others. At his first arraignment, I don't know why, but it smells like cologne in here so bad. And like, it's in the living room too, and I don't know where it's coming from. Uh, your downstairs neighbor feels bad, so instead of smoking cigarettes, he's just like... I legit think that that's what it is because the stupid girl downstairs moved out and he wanted to move into her apartment and I think he oh. did. So now and they're I, just trying to like cover up the stink? I don't, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, that was a, I just like got a big whiff of it and it, it's really distracting because it's also like, I know what Stu's cologne smells like and it's not like this smells like fucking Axe or some yep. shit. Ugh. Or like those uh, car fresheners that are oh, targeted yeah. at men, you know? Yeah, it's, it's a black ice or... Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, tropical submersion. <laughs> at his first arraignment, Dolezal's first-degree murder charge was dropped because he was delayed, uh, the, the denied legal counsel. At his second arraignment, he was held on manslaughter charges. But before the trial began, within a month of being held... Frank Dolezal was found hanging in his cell, dead. Now, it was definitely made to look like a suicide, but he was five foot eight, and the bar from which he was hanging was five feet seven inches off the ground. So, he could just stand there and not hang himself. Yeah. So, he also had six broken ribs. You know, the common, the common side effect injury that happens when you hang yourself. Broken ribs. Wow. That, what, a quince, what, a, what a normal thing that we all know happens. Hi, Chunky Monkey. Luna's here. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a real Jeffrey Epstein situation, isn't it? Uh, I mean, I didn't say that. He definitely killed himself. Gotcha. <laughs> um, so that's interesting. Let's go back to the weird timing of those two bodies found by Ness's window. So just three months before they were discovered, in May of 1838, Ness gives his prime suspect the option of being secretly interrogated at a fancy hotel or being publicly paraded in handcuffs as a suspect. Now... I don't think it came out until the 70s who his prime suspect was. He just kept it a secret and gave him a fake name through like all the documentation that did exist, which wasn't that much. But his name was Dr. Francis Sweeney. That's his real name, not a fake name. It sounds like a fake name, so... I know, it does. And the guy who has like put all this together is like a guy who has been studying this case for like 20 years and has written like two books on it and he is convinced that Sweeney is the guy um and so anyway Sweeney chooses the hotel where he ended up being held for somewhere between 10 days and two weeks and during this time he was given a lie detector test by the guy who invented the polygraph machine Dr. Keeler Dr. Henry Polygraph And he was so confident that Sweeney was guilty, he said he would throw his machine out of the window if he was wrong. The fuck? Okay. 
but um, as they are today, polygraphs were not admissible in court. And old Francis had a cousin, Martin, who was a powerful Democratic congressman, and he made sure that Francis was released and ensured that he could not be arrested again. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So some people, going back to like the steelworker strike, some people believe that there was some hesitancy to say that the killer could be a doctor because of classism going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sounds like this was more Merlot's belief. Because obviously Ness was like, I think this is the guy. He didn't care. But yeah. the Peter Merlot was, I think, more reluctant on, on this one for that reason. Um, but the fact remains that Sweeney lived in the area his whole life. He had an office on Broadway near several, several of the dump sites. His wife took him to probate court in 1933 with complaints of heavy drinking and domestic abuse. And she also reported that he would disappear for days at a time and that he was letting his practice slide. He spent some time in an institution and had multiple insanity hearings, the last of which was in early 1934, which would have been around the time that victim zero would have been killed. He also had been committed to the asylum where Andresi worked and a transient named Emil Froneck told police that one night a doctor tried to drug him and take him back to his office on Broadway. Which is where I just said Sweeney's office was. Mm -hmm. So, one of the biggest mysteries surrounding the theory that it was Sweeney is how he hid all of the blood, or like why there was never any blood evidence, because his office was searched and they never found anything that suggested someone had been dismembered there or anything like that. But his office was right next to a funeral home where he had a deal so he could go there and like practice on unclaimed corpses so he had access to a building where it wouldn't be weird if there was blood or uh, for an entire body to be drained of blood because that's what happens when you embalm someone yeah and Um, they do have the embalming fluid and everything there which goes back to the so that mm, yeah also how do you casually bring that up just like hey like I know that uh saw you next door want to bring some cookies uh yeah uh so i i I had a rough week and i really just want to you know make sure i'm top of my game so you all right if i uh borrow some of your bodies that are unclaimed maybe maybe uh bring some of my own maybe (laughs) if you remember like way back to episode two and we talked about like burke and Hare when they were first like so a hundred years before this yeah they were getting money for surgery was first happening they could only get corpses from uh well legally acquired corpses were only like criminals or like people whose bodies hadn't been claimed by their families for a certain length of time so it's probably that same kind of logic i would assume but um so yeah it wouldn't be weird for there to be like evidence of blood being trained in a funeral home because that's what happens in funeral homes and his office and the funeral home were both a short walk from the roaming third but all of this is circumstantial so there's no direct evidence that ties Sweeney to any of the killings a week after Ness destroyed the shantytown Sweeney checked him in 
uh, Sweeney checked himself into a VA facility, and the killings ceased. At least the ones considered canonical, though Sweeney would continue to send taunting, cryptic postcards to Ellie and Ness. He's also said to have sent mail to J. Edgar Hoover complaining about Ness, which is like something, basically the same thing that the Zodiac Killer did, and like it's total serial killer behavior. To be fair, he was eventually diagnosed with schizophrenia not too long before he died, so do with that information what you will. Um, to take a complete left turn, a letter was received in 1938 after the killing stopped, so like the same year, saying that people could rest easy as the killer had gone to continue his work in California. And there are some people that believe the Mad Butcher is also responsible for the Black Dahlia murder. Elizabeth Short. D does that li actually line up that way? Um. Potentially? I mean, there's definitely enough for some people to think so. But I do think it's kind of a stretch. So, um, I do want to cover that story sometime. Uh... So I don't want to go too much into it. And I'm not saying I necessarily agree with this, but so like her body was mutilated, obviously it was completely severed at the waist and it was drained of blood, which I think is one of the main the main things that people are like, oh, these are the same. Um, and she had ligature marks like some of the first victims and she had chunks of flesh missing, but she also had like a... Uh, a Glasgow smile, like a Joker smile, cut into her face as well. So, like, there's enough differences that I think it's a stretch, but... Yeah, it's just, yeah, a Venn diagram of fucked up stuff, but... Yeah. It's still a Venn diagram, not a circle. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I think we should talk about the Black Dahlia, another true crime, true, true crime time. <laughs> but, uh... True time um, time. <laughs> There were also three victims found in a string of boxcars in Pennsylvania when Peter Merlo went undercover to see if it was a railroad worker, because that's what he believed. Um, and so he thought that they were the same person. And Sweeney happened to be institutionalized at the time, but again, Merlo and Ness never agreed on who the killer might be. And other people think that it might have just been, like, a copycat or something like that, so. Elliot Ness became super unpopular, obviously, after his little tantrum burning down Hooverville, and later that year he was in an accident driving drunk, which he then tried to cover up, which also was really bad for his reputation, especially after all the cool things he did during Prohibition. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then he got divorced twice. He ran unsuccessfully for mayor. He made some bad investments. Ironically, drank a lot. And like I said earlier, he now has a beer named after him at the Great Lakes Brewing Company in Cleveland, which I do plan on going to, and is also reportedly haunted by one of the victims. Yay. The ghost Ooh. is that of a woman in black believed to have been murdered on the site, and one of the paranormal investigators on Haunted History said he saw a woman stand up in front of him and then turn to the wall and disappear. And there was this overwhelming feeling of sadness and dread, and so some people think she is 
trying to find Elliot Ness to tell him who the killer is. I I don't think anyone cares enough about Elliot Ness to do <laughs> yeah, I that. Don't either. Like I that's some pretty biased yeah, no. Yeah. There was a final headless naked body found a few miles from Kingsbury Run, later identified as Robert 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 Robertson that was found in nineteen fifty. But where he fits into the overall scheme of things, I sure don't know because that's like 12 years later. Um, yeah, I believe there are episodes of CSI and Criminal Minds that are based on this case. A ton of nonfiction books, obviously. There's an episode of Unsolved Mysteries that goes more into the connection between the torso murders and the Black Dahlia, if anyone is interested in that. Or I'll just watch that before we do the Black Dahlia, whenever we get around to that. Like and we can talk about it then. Yeah. yeah. There are also, uh, I don't know if this still exists, but I'm sure gonna look into it, a three-hour bus tour called Mystery, Mayhem, and Murder in Cleveland that, uh, if it does still exist, I'm gonna do it, so... That's so much time. Tune in next week for an update about that, or next month, whatever. (laughs) Tune in after I get back from Cleveland to see if that's still a thing. Georgia will also taste the water to let you know if it still tastes flammable or if that's a, a byproduct yeah. of the past. Or maybe it will just be on fire when we get there, you know. Hopefully. It's probably too cold. You can only dream. <laughs> yeah, and um, that's all of mine and Brandon's notes for the Cleveland Torso murder. Murder. Murders. 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 <laughs> The the Judas. mad butcher of Kingsbury Run, or the headhunter, which again, very good name. I that all I don't there's there's a whole lot there, just a whole lot. I Elianus is a fuck. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. This is a base summary. Don't burn down towns of people that are poor. Just don't do that. Right? It's, it's like not that hard. Honestly. Uh, there's a memorial to him at Lakeview Cemetery, and so I want to go to it and, like, point and laugh at him. <laughs> exactly. Just go with a hammer. Just, like, to, uh, like, or just You're dead, you dumb fuck. Chisel a P before his last name, you know? Uh, just make it real, real classy. Peanuts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. We've, I, I've used this one before, for sure. No, I don't want to... I don't know if I've asked you this before. Uh, it's a question I, I think about a fair amount, though. Uh, if you could replace one of your arms with something, what would you want to replace it with? I don't think you've asked me that before. I've asked... Um, I ask a lot of, like, strangers this question. Like, or people I, like, freshly know. I have no idea. Easy like option. a fake a, a bionic arm that's yeah. just more efficient exactly honestly that's like kind of the obvious answer i'm like obviously i just want a like one-to-one like replica of my arm that's missing or my hand that's missing yeah that's just like i can punch holes through walls and shit that'd be nice like uh, my initial thought is a chainsaw because of army of darkness but um that's, you know I guess if you can remove it, that's fine, but that's only practical in so many situations. I do not- I have never needed to use a chainsaw in my 34 years of life, therefore I can't imagine ever needing to replace my arm with a chainsaw unless I am in a zombie apocalypse, which I am not, currently, so. 
Maybe uh, one day. Maybe one day. Also, uh, my birthday is coming up in two episodes upon release of this one. I, yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. And two things are happening on my birthday this year. Uh, first, a, the new Army of Darkness movie is coming out. So there's going to be that. It looks very scary. Um, I will probably not watch it because it is too scary. <laughs> and also there's a like new Yu-Gi-Oh set coming out that's just like nostalgia stuff. I didn't watch the new Evil Dead because it looks like a horror movie and Evil Dead is great because it's it's not. It's like camp as fuck. Yes, no, that's yeah. literally what my thought was when like my coworker showed me. He's like, "Doesn't this look good?" And I was like, "This is not what I watched the initial franchise for no. at all. Like not even close." No. I want fake blood. I want dramatic acting. I want like I guess pretty good effects for the time. But still not, like, believable. But, like, literally her face is made out of Play-Doh. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So I'm like, no, I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna get scared. I can't. Yeah. Uh, also, I would replace my hands, or my arm, uh, if I couldn't get a human, like, robotic arm. Uh, probably with, like, silicone tongs, because they're just really helpful. Yeah. So they're very nice. <laughs> um, the only two movies that I really want to see, I think I already said this, but... Um, oh yeah, it's very top. D and D. Renfield, with Nicolas Cage as Dracula. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and yeah, the D and D movie. Uh, Oppenheimer also looks really good, honestly. Uh, but no, we're here for the D and D movie. I'm gonna call my shot now. I was talking to a couple of my coworkers about it, and I really think it's possible, and really hope personally that the movie ends, and or like the adventure is like coming to an end or whatever, and it just quick cuts or in like hard cuts to all of the main characters sitting at a table like in modern day and they like the dm like puts looks over a screen or puts down like his book and goes all right guys so same time next week and everyone's like yeah we'll see you next week and then just like walk away and that the whole movie is just like a dnd session or like a dnd campaign yeah no so then they need to say same time next week and then one of them needs to go actually i can't make it next week yeah exactly to make <laughs> and it then they have an realistic. argument about when they're available <laughs> yeah uh, uh also if anyone knows uh the movie darkness uh gamers darkness rising darkness rising yeah yep. uh, apparently i know one of the creator creative directors for the third one uh the second or third one like he comes into the nerd shop I, I work didn't at. No, there was a second or third one, but now yeah. I'm gonna go look into that. Uh, they are on YouTube, so. Hell, yeah. that's how I watched the first one. No, exactly. Yeah, he yeah. didn't know that the movie like existed, uh, and he was just like playing a like wargaming game uh, called BattleTech. I'm pretty sure, or it was supposed to go. It was like one of the Lord of the Rings ones that doesn't exist anymore, and like people kept going up to the sky and like fawning over him. And it was, like, people that were, like, college age. And this guy was like, dude, what the fuck is going on? Why does everyone love you so much? Like, you're just a guy. And he's like, oh, I made a movie once and, like, whatever. And he's like, wait, what? And he's like, yeah. I guess, like, people really like it in certain circles. And, like, as I'm hearing the story, he doesn't say what the name of the movie is. So at the end, he's like, oh, yeah, you might have heard of it. And I was like, dude, I watched that my freshman year of college. Like, what are you talking about? That's insane. He's like, yeah, if you watch the other ones, I'm in the credits, so... Yep. I was like, cool, nice. Weird. Why is he in Manhattan? What the fuck? I don't know. Life is a highway, man. Sure is. Thank you. Pleasant Sponsor listeners. us. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, cars. Uh, also, uh, who sings Life is a Highway? 
the the one from Cars. Yeah. Um, Rascal Flatts. Yeah, and it, apparently that's a cover, which I didn't know. So, it sure is a cover. Yeah, didn't know that. Uh, if you want to learn more about what songs are or are not originals from the hit movie Cars, keep listening to this podcast. You can also reach out to uh, know random trivia about other things that I kind of know about sometimes by messaging us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram by searching Broadcast from the Belfry. Um, or you can email us at broadcastfromthebelfry at gmail.com. All of those go to somebody's phone. Depends on the day who's going to answer. Yeah. Uh, thank you to it's Shannon. Probably still hope. It's probably real. still hope. Hundred percent. Ninety-nine point nine nine percent. I might send a text saying, "Hey, I think we got an email." That's the most I'm doing though. <laughs> um, thanks to Shannon for doing all the edits, making it sound really nice, shiny, and clean, um, and for not putting gunshots in there earlier. If I won't know until I listen to it. So. Yeah, if he did, then I get. I oh, like foolish. five years from now. Yeah, exactly, like on my deathbed in the year twenty twenty-seven, probably. Uh, we won't even be married by then. Oh that's God. true. Yeah, that's true. A scandal. Uh, thank you to Brandon for doing all of the notes, all of the the researches, and sounding real fancy about it. DM to the stars. Thank you to Hope for doing the social medias, answering the emails that I will not be reading. I'm ninety-nine percent sure. Once again, and to you, the listener, for being cool and rad. Um, yep. Did I forget something? Write us some reviews and screenshot them, and, uh, yep. Yep, and we'll send you... Drink your water, stay hydrated. Do all the things. Hydrate or dehydrate. Take your meds. Yeah, take your meds. Uh, What do we say to all of the listeners of this fair podcast? Thanks for listening, and, um... Stay spooky, I guess. I think you've got a pretty good head on your shoulders, sluts. <laughs> no one else does, though. Cause, Not, yeah. Because there's a bunch of headless torsos. There's a lot of headless torsos. <laughs> also, just don't go swimming in rivers. Don't go to Cleveland unless you have a friend that's there. If your okay, wife is in Cleveland, Cleveland bitch. Different. Yeah. Maybe I will post my Cleveland trip on the social needs. I hope that the, the river's on fire at least once when you're there. Me too. For reasons. I mean, it's probably really bad for the environment, but. Uh, so it's all the trash that's in it. I don't think it's gonna make it worse. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <What? true. laughs>